Good evening and welcome to a new edition of StarCast from Planet Waves. My name is Eric Francis Coppolino, the author of the Planet Waves horoscope column and the host of Planet Waves FM on Pacifica Network. Thank you for joining me this evening. As I mentioned in a broadcast yesterday, I am not doing a horoscope or article this week. I'm happy to say that I have completed the 11th sign in the series of readings called Inner Space. These are a combination of written and audio astrology readings for 2023 and into 2024 um, that uh, are a combination of an approximately 4,000 word written analysis of everything going on in your sun sign or rising sign. And then I will be doing a series of audios probably beginning pretty soon. Uh, I was amazed to see that I wrote my first, well, started the first of these uh, readings on November 15th, one month ago today. Uh, I'm I'm kind of astounded that I have been able to write an additional 50,000 words of of uh, of pretty good copy. I mean, it's um these are some really helpful competent and thorough astrology readings uh, and th there's a written analysis and then an audio analysis i think it's important to have both viewpoints covered and and that gives me quite a bit of room to bring things into the audio for example that i did not cover in the written since written analysis really calls for quite a bit of detail and and substantiation of the facts, the audio is a little more relaxed and a bit more free form. So that'll be coming soon. And uh, I will put a link for where you can uh, purchase this uh, quite beautiful piece of astrological, you know, whatever you want to call it, artwork, uh, which is uh, priced to be friendly and completely guaranteed. If it doesn't do what you hope or want, we will be happy to refund you. But... I don't really have that happen very often. All right. So uh, in terms of what's going on with the astrology, we're in a bit of a pregnant moment. Uh, I'm I'm doing this uh, recording on Thursday evening, a bit at late afternoon. It looks like uh, about nine o'clock at night outside. Uh, it's it's so every every year it's always interesting what it looks like nine o'clock at night at four thirty. You would think after like fifty eight years of this, it, it would be somehow different, but it's it's still. Always interesting. Okay, so um, I am recording just ahead of the last quarter moon in um, in Virgo. Sorry, I'm a little bit fatigued. <laughs> it's uh, it's been an exciting uh, couple of days uh, wrapping up these. Anyway, so if I'm a little slow here, that you'll know why. So last quarter moon takes place in Virgo. Uh, that's moon square sun, but this is a, a kind of a compound pattern. In particular, uh, the sun is square Neptune right now. I think I think it's square Neptune today, uh, and it'll be a little past the square Neptune when this aspect happens um, on, on the 16th at uh, 3.55 a.m., so about 12 hours from when I'm recording. Um, and um, this is got, this has got Neptune in the picture. So that's the 
potentially kind of unsleepy, certain, unsleepy, uncertain, uh, which way is left and right and which way is up feeling of of the moment that it may have. Uh, And so that's that pattern. It's moon, sun, Neptune. Now, yesterday, on Wednesday, we experienced a big one in the minor in the minor planet and inner planet realm, which was Venus conjunct Pholus. That happens about once a year, um, and it happens in Capricorn now because Pholus is going to be in Capricorn damn near forever. Uh, and so, uh, whatever yesterday was about, whatever the super intense energy of uh, of Wednesday was about, uh, that that can be described by Venus conjunct. Folus. Folus is the pressurized release. Folus is the, you know, uh, the the it's it's the uh, bottle of uh, soda into which you drop a couple of Mentos. Has anyone ever done that? I, I always see it on uh, on on these like science shows. Um, so there's some kind of a chemical reaction when you put this candy into a bottle of carbonated soda. But think of that pressurized release as being uh, the energy of Venus, and it it can be. It can have a kind of a runaway quality to it. It can have a difficult to contain, can't stuff it back in kind of a quality to it. All right, so that that's still pretty fresh. Uh, also, at the moment, Mars is retrograde um, in a quincunx to Mercury. So this is saying uh, find a way to deal with what irritates you and with what pisses you off. Take uh, calculated, reasonable incremental but steady steps of action to uh, to to do something the the more adaptable uh, planet in this configuration is going to be direct mercury in what's called the quincunx 150 degree aspect to mars and so that the quincunx is um it's like halfway between um, a trine and an opposition so it it has some of the polarity of the opposition, but it has a kind of attraction, traction like getting your wheels on the ground, that a, a trine doesn't usually have. Trines tend to be slippery. They can represent things that slip out of your hands, and they can also represent easy openings uh, that you, 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 can, you can do something or something can be done for you. For example, the main aspect in the 9-11 chart is a trine. So, it was a good day. <laughs> Somebody had it easy that day and, and got a lot done. So uh, a quincunx is not like that. A quincunx is more like a scratchy trine. A quincunx is like sort it out, work it out, and get it done uh, and and be present for every step in the process. Uh, Mercury and Mars, by the way, are both in aspect uh, to a point called Nessus. Uh, so be mindful where there are the consequences of past actions surfacing. So when you see something weird is going on, just check in uh, with whether this is not some kind of, uh, of, of, of a reaction or response of stored up energy from the past. And we happen to be in right now in this is a very close aspect. And I'm going I'm I'm to make sure that I draw this in to the chart. This will be the one in pink. Um, I, I hope these uh, charts that I provide are helpful uh, in terms of being astrology tools. I know they're a little bit more complex than the ones you see online, uh, but also I'm looking to give you some insight into how I work 
and um, what I think good working habits are in astrology. And one of the one of the good working habits that I have and teach in astrology is to print your chart, make it your own, take command of the chart, add your extra points, draw in your own lines, make your squiggles and notes and circles. Don't just stare at this thing on a, a bunch of pixels like it somehow exists outside of you or your creative process. The chart is being served up for us on one level. My charts start as commercially calculated charts, uh, but then I add a lot of things and I make them into each into its own um, original little work of art. If anybody wants one, drop me a self-addressed stamped envelope at P.O. Box 3606, Kingston, New York, 12402, and I will send you a signed chart. All right, so now let's see what else is up. The pregnant part of this chart is a few things. There's several things about to happen. First thing about to happen, besides the quarter moon, and besides what's currently happening, the setup of Mars, Mercury, uh, and Nessus, uh, is that the sun is going to align with the galactic center uh, at 3.40 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the 19th. Uh, the the galactic center, I, I count that as the supermassive black hole at the center of, uh, of, the, of the galaxy called Sagittarius A star, written Sagittarius A asterisk, but pronounced Sagittarius A star. Isn't that a cool name for it? Happy birthday if it's uh, on your day. You're bored with a sudden conjunct Sagittarius A star. Uh, that black hole in in the center of the galaxy turns out it's not the thing holding the uh, galaxy together. It's more of a focal point. There, there is so much mass in the galaxy, there's no way that one even supermassive black hole, which is a kind of a puny supermassive black hole on the scale in which they're possible to exist, could hold together 300 billion stars. So uh, there's a heck of a lot of this stuff called dark matter around the edge of the galaxy holding uh, the thing in its shape. But still, that point at the center of the galaxy is something that I consider to be a kind of a spiritual homing signal. And here we are, you know, in the, in the deeps of night here in the northern hemisphere, and we can't see the galactic uh, center because it's it's it is, it is uh, right behind the sun. So when when you take a look at the sun today or tomorrow during the day, imagine a streak uh, kind of running by at around a forty five degree angle or so, uh, and that streak is the galaxy, but you can't see it in in the northern hemisphere winter. Because we face into the sun, and then the sun uh, is like kind of in between us and the galactic center. All right, so uh, whatever that uh, means for you, however that feels for you, I, I just think the the galactic core is a thing to keep in mind. And if if we are mapping out our life in the cosmos, let's not just be in the solar system. Let's let's be in the galaxy. Uh, and in the community of galaxies. And I, I note the community of galaxies by uh, noting the existence of the Great Attractor, which is the big super galaxy center, and then also a nearby um, monster galaxy called M87 in Libra. Okay, so here's here's where the chart very rapidly becomes something else, very quickly, in a series of events. So first one is, 
Sun conjunct GC. This always happens right before the um, the, the the Capricorn solstice. Second item, <clears throat> Jupiter enters Aries uh, on twelve twenty. So Jupiter spent some time in Aries in in uh, twenty twenty two. Back into Pisces by retrograde. And now it's going to re-enter Aries, and through um, May sixteenth, twenty twenty three, it's going to go straight through Aries, and uh, and wind up in Taurus, where it's going to stay between May sixteenth. If I've got these dates right, I've been writing about them for a month. May 16th, 2023, all the way through about May 24th, 2024, one solid year of Jupiter in Taurus with no interruptions. I like the feeling of that quite a bit. I've I've had some fun with it in, uh, in the uh, interspace readings. All right, the next thing that happens, uh, event number three, is the sun enters Capricorn. That's the, north, uh, the southern solstice, so the sun's all the way down in the south now, you know, ble- bleaching the gar- gardens and houses of our friends in, in the southern hemisphere. And that takes place on 1221, uh, but it's it's late in the day, so it'll be uh, overnight 1221 to 1222, depending on where someone is and during the day on the 22nd if you're on the other side of the dateline in Australia or New Zealand. Item number four, soon after the uh, the the sun enters Capricorn, uh, the new moon takes place, moon sleeps and moon enters Capricorn. So we have Capricorn new moon with the sun very close to the first degree of uh, of, of Capricorn. And this, uh, th- this is an Aries point effect, and it's going to be a magnified Aries point effect because we've got Jupiter on the Aries point. I didn't mention that. Jupiter right on the Aries point. Then the sun is going to square the Aries point. There's already a lot of concentrated activity in early Capricorn. In the next edition of this, I'm going to get, over, get into the sun going over all of these points in early Capricorn and also... Uh, for this new moon, though, this this new moon that takes place on the 23rd, uh, it is Capricorn moon, Capricorn sun, square Jupiter, and square M87, which is holding the Aries point from the Libra side. This is a big magnification type of event. So this is one of these moments that's larger than life. The problem with these larger than life moments is that since we're so overwhelmed by quote unquote information 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, you, you know, we don't notice uh, when we're when we're in the water and when we're on the beach. It just always seems like it's, uh, you know, ocean all around pouring down rain um, every minute. But that said, astrologically, which is kind of a, a more objective way to measure things. You know, it's, it's, it, you have to bring other things from the environment into it. It's, it's just it kind of it, it stands on its own until you start to assign different ideas and meanings to these you know, planets and, and different sigils in the, in the chart. Um, we can see that we're in one of these larger, larger-than-life moments. And my theory on why this time of year can feel so accelerated is partly because, well, speaking in the Northern Hemisphere, there's a compression and the days become very short. But I don't think it's just that. I think that the sun uh, aligning with first the great attractor, that happened about 10, 12 days ago, then aligning with the galactic center creates a kind of a bending sensation in our experience of time 
uh, which is a highly elastic thing. My time is uh, not a constant. That that was that was figured out during the relativity experiments. The time is essentially elastic, and 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 that space and time function as one field. And I think that the space-time consciousness field is it it starts to get kind of bent in the direction of concentration uh, around this time of year, and uh, and then then when the sun reaches the solstice point, there is a um, in, in, in the north, there's a kind of an outbreath that the, the universe can seem to be winding up as much as it possibly can our experience of the universe, right? Because this is a very much a local thing on Earth. And then it um, kind of lets go after the uh, Capricorn solstice. So that's what we've got in store. That's what uh, that's what we're going through. Um, easy does it. As you um, as you move along, and um, that's pretty much what I've got to say. Uh, I might be back again soon with um, with more and more uh, tales from the road of the inner space readings. I'm planning on publishing some samples of these readings. Those of you who are regular listeners and regular customers, consider yourself fans. Um, the annual readings are. Uh, my way of giving you something extremely useful and generous uh, to which I bring every modicum of my talent as a, a writer and as an astrologer and as um, a kind of a, um, a person who can integrate many different things in exchange for a little money, which which keeps us going. So we are a, a business. Chiron turn subsists on donations. I appreciate that. Your donations to the sub, your subs to the substack become... Um, they, they go right into the nonprofit, but the astrology materials that, that we sell off of Planet Waves fund, you know, a fairly large staff that has to hold together basically a technical and customer service operation that we get for free at Substack. Uh, so anyway, um, thank you. And I just so you know, you know, I really, you know, I'm asking about a hundred dollars for this thing. And I feel like I delivered 10 or 20 times that value. But the thing with astrology is this. One sentence, encouraging or discouraging, can shift the course of your life. One thing an astrologer says at the right moment or the wrong moment can really have an impact. And I'm very cautious about what astrology I imbibe. I'm extremely judicious about who I will even read. I'm just not interested in what most astrologers have to say anymore. And, and I, so I read one, besides my books, I read one astrologer and I correspond with my friends, almost all of whom are older than 70 years old. So I'm still the kid on the block uh, doing my combination of, um, of classical astrology and, uh, and modern astrology using the minor planets. All right, so check it all out. Thank you for listening. A pleasure to serve. And I'll be back soon. Bye for now.